Well, we'll fly through Bullinger because of time. Let's go to this man, Heinrich Bullinger. He was born in the 1500s, the early 1500s. And we're going to take some time to talk about the idea of building. Let's go to Genesis 2.15. God created men to build. Adam's first son built a city. Abraham built an altar. Jacob built a corral. Joshua built a town. David built an army. Solomon built a temple, and God has used many strong men through history to build for the glory of God, not always with brick and mortar, but with truth, character, and conviction. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, And keep it. And so we were put in the garden to work, build, and keep what God has given us in our personal garden. And we're going to look at the illustration of Heinrich Bullinger, one of the great reformers that is not well known, as well known as Calvin or Luther or... Ulrich Zwingli, or even Beza. But Bullinger was a great reformer, and let's take some time to learn about him today. His name is Heinrich. Bullinger. Let's talk a little bit about the idea of building... Well, Heinrich Bullinger was born in a small town in Switzerland on 18 July, 1504. That's the only date you'll get. He was born five years before John Calvin, to give you a little idea of... Where the timeline is. He was the youngest of five children to a father. Surprise, surprise. That was a Roman Catholic priest. And since the church did not allow its ministers to marry. His union with Heinrich's mother was illegal. It reminds us a little bit of what other reformer. Happy? Right. Teddy B. Theodore Beza, who was the successor to Calvin. So instead of rejoicing openly over the blessing of a marriage, Heinrich's father was forced every year to pay the bishop a secret fee. And it had a name. It was called the cradle tax. And it was so that the authorities would waive the penalty for breaking the law. 
But Heinrich's father would not endure this shame for much longer. Bullinger's family hoped that he too would be a Catholic priest like his father. At 12 years old, Bullinger attended a school that was harsh. They wanted to teach the children discipline. And so one of the things he had to do was beg for his meals. And they thought that this would help prepare him for the world. Contrast that with today, the other extreme, which is you're given everything free. When Heinrich went off to the university at age 15, the writings of Ambrose and Chrysostom and Augustine began pointing him to the scriptures. And it was during that time at school that the great reformer Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses upon the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, attacking the corruption among the clergy. Now, this is an interesting phenomena with young people. Because the more the church told Heinrich not to read Luther's writings, the more (laughs) Bullinger wanted to read and devour Luther's writings. It was the works of Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon that convinced Bollinger that salvation is sola fide. It is by faith alone in Christ. And at age 17, Heinrich Bollinger was born again. The more he studied and the more he taught the Bible, the closer he came to Protestantism, and the further he moved from Roman Catholicism. This will always happen to you. This will happen to anyone. The more you read the Bible, the further you will get from Roman Catholicism, and the closer you'll get to Protestantism. Well, Bollinger was a man's man. Look at that guy. And wherever he went, he built... And it was not by accident that he had a long, thick, bushy beard like the Old Testament prophets. In fact, most of the reformers, Luther as an exception, most of the reformers had these long beards. And I read a book about a man who gave his reasons of why he thought it was. That these reformers, let's just take a little scroll through facial hair here. We've got Latimer. We've got Roland Taylor. Okay. Uh, John David. He doesn't count. These are all new guys. These are, post, <laughs> these are post-reformers. Okay, so we've got Paul, uh, Justin Martyr. Okay, here's the exception. We've got Ambrose. Look at that. Cyprian of Carthage. 
We got a little bit something there with Bunyan. We've got Richard Sibbs. We've got Augustine. Who knows what that is? <laughs> we've got Tertullian. We've got the we've got the goose there. Okay, again, post reformer. This is Watts. Oh. Okay, we've got uh, Polycarp again, post reformer. This is John Milton. Rollins White. Here's Beza. Okay. Who's this guy? Athanasius. There's Kelvin. He's not messing around there, okay? <laughs> oh, okay, Zwingli. He's a, okay. That's got something little there, Melanchthon. <laughs> got a little bit there, Baxter. Okay, so we've got, we've got these guys. So Knox. Okay, Knox too. Okay, well, this guy gave his reason why it was. He said they wanted to separate themselves from the clean-shaven, unmarried Catholic priests. I mean, when they separated from Catholicism, they wanted to separate from everything. They wanted to present themselves as a kind of Old Testament prophet who was going back to the scriptures and resisting the popular opinions of the day. And the Old Testament prophets like Moses and Elijah had long, scary beards. Well, I'd like to give five ways that Heinrich Bullinger was a model of building, that is, having dominion over the earth in five ways. First, Bullinger built godly churches. For five years, starting at age 18, he taught the Bible to a group of monks in a monastery. His preaching was so convincing that the monks left the Catholic faith, and joined the Reformation. Then, when Heinrich was 25, his father, through the influence of his son, publicly embraced the biblical teachings of his boy, Heinrich, revealed his marriage to everyone, and began preaching the gospel in his Catholic church in Brengarten. But the people rejected his new beliefs and forced him to resign. This is his father now. And so now they're searching for the father's replacement, who has gone wacko and is following Protestantism. Well, they searched for his replacement by asking several candidates to preach, and somehow his son became one of the candidates. The sermon that Heinrich preached at his father's church caused such a stir that they chose him as their next pastor. And because of his preaching, they burned all the images of the saints in the church. (laughs) This is Heinrich Bullinger. Thank you for that amen. I'm even getting that from the train, okay? So first of all, Heinrich Bullinger building godly churches. Well, it's not finished. Because two years later, Bollinger's fellow countryman and friend Ulrich Zwingli was wounded in battle and then executed in the Battle of Kappel as he helped defend the city of Zurich from Catholic attack. Now, that's not easy to follow someone like Zwingli. I mean, this is one of the giants of 
the Reformation. Most people thought it would be impossible to replace a giant like Zwingli. But when the church heard Bullinger's powerful preaching, they said it was like Zwingli had been revived from the ashes. Bullinger succeeded Zwingli in his Zurich church at age 27 and remained there as a Swiss reformer for 44 years until his death at age 71. But I still didn't give you a date, so that counts. Bullinger preached over 7,000 sermons in his lifetime, many of them verse-by-verse expositions through books of the Bible. His writings exceeded that of Luther, Kelvin, and Zwingli combined. He wrote hundreds of tracts and over 100 books, including the seventh, second Helvetic Confession, which is a, one of the premier Reformed confessions in church history. Second, Bullinger built a godly marriage. At age 25, he fell in love with and married a lovely woman named Anna, a committed Christian and a former nun. Who does that remind you of? Luther. Right, Luther. Well, the Bullingers' marriage was a happy one and considered by many to be the model marriage union. Uh, He wrote a wildly popular book on the husband and wife union called The Christian State of Matrimony. Listen to how he defines marriage. Quote, A lawful knot of one man and one woman, so that they may dwell together in friendship and honesty, one helping and comforting the other, rejecting uncleanness, and bringing up children in the fear of God. Third, Bullinger built godly children. How many children do you think this guy had? Bullinger and his wife had 11 children. Guys, time to get started, okay? Six boys and five girls. Oh, they weren't finished. They also adopted several others. All six of their sons became pastors. He loved playing with his kids. He loved playing with his grandkids. And sometimes he wrote them verses for Christmas. Who does that remind you of? Martin Martin Luther. That's what Martin Luther wrote ditties and songs for his children, especially during Christmas. Fourth, Bullinger was... Uh, Bullinger built a godly home. I need to go quickly here. His house was always busy and it was always full of life. Besides their own large family, they kept the door and food pantry open for orphans, widows, and especially refugees who were escaping to Switzerland either from Bloody Mary's England or the massacres 
in France. If you lived in a place like Switzerland, you are going to have a lot of refugees. And that means you need to have, you need to have a love for strangers, which we call hospitality. Home life also brought him much suffering as several of his family members died during the plague, including his wife, who had recently nursed him back to health from the deadly disease. So he was very sick during the plague. She nursed him back to health. He revives and she dies. Fifth, perhaps my favorite, Bullinger built godly friendships. You know, Bullinger was not one to just sit around. He was having dominion over the earth, and every chance he had, he was trying to build something. He had a somewhat unusual method of growing his relationships with others, and I would argue today, really one of the dying character traits in pastors today that was so common in pastors of the past. And you would think with the advent of email, that would be much more common, but it's not. And that is letter writing. We think of, um, we think of Samuel Rutherford as the example of writing letters. And his 250 letters or so were turned into um, Samuel Rutherford's letters. By the way, most of those were written while he was in exile. And so he had a lot of time to write these letters. Ulrich, uh, Heinrich Bullinger was not put away in exile, and yet he still far, far exceeded the letters that were written by Samuel Rutherford. He le- rarely left the walls of Zurich, and sometimes he was criticized for that. You need to get out more. You need to be visiting people, but he made up for it. Instead of visiting his friends, he would write letters. There are on record over 12 thousand letters of correspondence, many of them with kings and other royalty. He would write them to Christian friends, to church members. He would write them to close friends, including John Calvin, whom he would both encourage and rebuke in his letters. Calvin once wrote this to Bullinger. What use does it have that we fight with each other? I only do the duty of a friend by giving my opinion. Let us seek the close communion in Christ. They had some differences between each other, Calvin and Bullinger, but they would write to each other often. One of the great men during the Reformation, the reformer in Switzerland... Okay, well, we'll skip our final section from, uh, from the scriptures. But it came from Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it.